0: to turn on the shark spotlight goaltender james reimer joins us in the spotlight and james first of all welcome back to san jose uh, you had a little bit of time with the sharks during uh, one of the greatest times in their history in fact and you get to rejoin and you can come home again what's it like coming back oh exciting
1: um i mean like you said i mean the time here was <laughs> was uh darn near top of the world right and so um but uh obviously you know lots changed, time has passed but um Still, um, love this organization. Um, a bunch of guys still here from, from when I was uh, last uh, here, so I'm really looking forward to it.
0: There aren't a lot of goaltenders over the course of history from Manitoba that got to the NHL, but some really great ones. Eddie Belfour, Terry Sawchuck, uh, Ron Hextall are, are three that come to mind. Turk Broda is another one. And, of course, yourself, James Reimer. But uh, talk about growing up in a really small town in Manitoba and what it's like being from the Canadian Midwest?
1: Uh, yeah, so actually, I'm from. So I played my minor hockey in work That was the nearest town to me that uh, that had a minor hockey team, and um, kind of where we did all our shopping. But I'm actually technically from a tiny little farming community, 15 minutes away from there. So um, that Morwina. That's Morwina, yeah. So yeah. pretty much a church and a school, and and uh, and farmland. So. Uh, <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, honestly, a great place to grow up. Um, great people there, and and a lot of open air. And and uh, for a young for a young fellow, a lot of a lot of things to do and explore. And and uh, sports sports was big out there. And so we played hockey twenty four seven. Didn't matter if it was middle of summer or, or middle of winter. You know, we found we found a place to play. And so um, you know, had a had a really good uh,
0: really good time going up there. One of the interesting things about Arborg is that it's the home of the world's largest curling stone, which is uh, something kind of famous. That was a- after you had grown up a little bit, of course. And curling is big in that community, too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hockey, curling,
1: um, you know, it's it's something that obviously a sport that, uh, you know, everyone can play. And so um, a lot of people get into it. And and uh, I didn't play it a ton growing up, but but I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people do and, and have, uh, have a lot of fun with it.
0: What is it about Manitoba that uh, that is so different about the other provinces? It, it it seems as if it's it's oftentimes forgotten between Alberta and Ontario, and and uh, yet there's a special quality about all the people there. They're very special people that that are passionate about hockey and and about life. Yeah, I think you know
1: probably Saskatchewan and Manitoba are, are pretty similar that way. Um, you know, I, I think. I think a lot of there's a lot of small towns that make up um, our province, right? Obviously, we have Winnipeg, but but besides that, it's it's a bunch of small towns, right? So I think there's a, a big emphasis on on community and and uh, spending time with uh, you know people that are close to you, and so um, you know I think that's that's um, probably what makes uh, the place special. You know, you got you got good people looking out for you, and and uh, that are you know invested in your life. So um, you know, it's uh, it was uh, a good
0: place to grow up. What kind of farming did your family do? Did they were they all farmers? Um,
1: actually, you know, they were uh, they were one of the few that uh, that weren't farmers. Actually, my sister uh, married a farmer, so I have uh, we got there's farming in the family now. But um, it's actually, my dad and uh, his brothers um, own a uh, house moving business that my grandpa um, and his uh, brother started. Um, oh boy, I want to say maybe back in the 50s or early 60s um, and so uh, family-owned business for for a while now.
0: Now you're talking about just moving people from house to house you're not actually physically jacking up houses and physically moving the whole home are you?
1: <laughs> actually yeah no it's uh, it's they jack up the whole house and uh, no way. And drive it down the road yeah so it's, uh, it's a big uh, it's a big thing or it's a normal maybe I should say a normal thing in the prairies and so um, yeah they go in there jack it up throw some beams under there and Put some dollies
0: underneath the beams and attach a, attach a big truck and and drive it down the road. That's incredible that that would be a, a standing business since the 1960s. But what's the reason for that? Why is it that people actually move the whole home like that? Uh, I, you know what I, I think? Kind of back in
1: back in the day, um, you know. Again, everyone's from a small town, and so there's not really much of a market um, for for your house if you want to leave and, and go to a new town, right? So you take it with you. I think that's kind of. The history of how it started—I um, <clears throat> could be corrected—but um, nowadays, honestly, I think it's uh, cheaper. I mean, you have these um, home builders that just build a ton of homes on their on their lot, and so I think it's just uh, it's just cheaper. And my dad, and obviously, there's other companies that uh, just wheel in, and and all these houses are propped up already, so it's pretty easy to put them on on the on the truck and on the beams, and then uh, they just wheel it to uh,
0: you know wherever the foundation is. Now, I know you, everybody talks about the prairies and Manitoba and cold weather, and Winnipeg's got the Portage and Main intersection, which is the coldest intersection in North America. An American that's uh, that's perhaps listening to this can compare it to North Dakota, which is just south of, of where Winnipeg is, in fact. And it gets pretty chilly there, but what what's your experience with cold weather? Yeah, I mean, growing up is just all
1: you know, right? I mean, so you just get used to it, but uh, yeah, I've definitely... I've definitely got some uh, some stories of, of staying out on the on the outdoor rink too long, and um, I think uh, I don't know how old I was, you know, maybe seven, eight years old or something like that. I I was uh, obviously in the process of of winning the Stanley Cup, and um, I was uh, just out there too long, so I got frostbite or whatever on my ears. I Had to wear this big bandages around my head for for a week, and so I looked kind of funny for a bit. But um, so that's probably my worst, uh,
0: you know being cold story uh, um, from growing up. Well, at least it involved hockey, and at least you were having a good time. You know, Bobby Orr, when he grew up, didn't really play a lot of organized hockey until he was a little bit older. What they used to do was, uh, out in Perry Sound, Ontario, uh, play shinny and you know, basically play keep away, basically. That's what that game is, and be a whole group of kids in the neighborhood and playing hockey. And I understand that you didn't play organized hockey until you were about 11, 12 years old, is that true? Yeah, I didn't start until I was 12. Um,
1: you know, I guess my story would be kind of similar. Um, you know, lucky for me, I had an older brother and, uh, he, uh, like all younger brothers, you want to play with your older brother, right. And, uh, he's three and a half years older than me. And so, um, he said, well, if you want to play with me, you have to be goalie. So, um, I grew up just playing goalie, uh, you know, with, uh, him and his friends and obviously my friends too. And, and I guess I was, um, one of the better goalies. And, and as anyone knows, when you, when you play hockey, you're always looking for a goalie, right? it's, it sucks to play the game and you're shooting on a shooter tutor or something like that, right? You always want to go away. and so um, I guess I had a natural ability at getting in the way, and so um, you know I just played a ton of shinny and and um, played with uh, people that were older than me,
0: and so um, I think that probably helped my development. So you, you get to play organized hockey when you're 12 years old, and. Uh, you first get noticed, and this is another unusual part, uh, perhaps, per, you know, generally related to being from Manitoba and from a small town, but you were actually playing for a church team when you were, in quotes, discovered by a, a junior scout. And why don't you tell us about that and, and how the organized church leagues were in Manitoba?
1: Yeah, so there's this big uh, church tournament in uh, in a community just south of Manitoba. Uh... Of Winnipeg <clears throat> called Steinbeck and um it's called the EM Cup and it happens every year in November. And um I just was our church always put in the team and, and again, need a goalie, right? And so I was uh I think I was kind of in that gray area where you're not supposed to be able to play minor hockey and play, but if you're young enough then it doesn't matter, right? So I was kind of in that, that gray area. So anyways, they uh they let me play and um I guess we needed some other players to fill out our team. And uh, so friends of friends and everyone, you know, relatives, whatever. We had two guys that, uh, that were uh, relatives of, of uh, you know, some of the people in our community. And uh, one of those guys is my now agent. And uh, so he was, uh, he obviously knew, uh, knew the game and was just getting kind of getting into the business and uh and so after I remember after our last game he kind of hung around and and we were the last ones in the dressing room and and he kind of approached me and just said hey like would you ever consider pursuing hockey and I mean I was 12 or 13 I can't remember and and I was super shy at the time and I was like sure you know I I don't even know what that means you know and so obviously I love hockey but you know I like playing it so um ever since then you know he's obviously helped me out he was a Kind of advised us um, for the next couple of years, and then when I uh, signed in Red Deer, that's kind of when we officially signed a contract with him. But uh, he's uh, turned out to be, you know, honestly one of my best friends now, and and uh, it's a special it's a special relationship. So um, it's kind of cool how it all how it all started in a in a dumpy little rink in southern Manitoba in the middle of a middle of a church uh,
0: hockey tournament. Brings up another important topic in your life, and that is, uh, your relationship with God. Uh, this is, uh, you know, something that's been part of your life for a long time. Yeah,
1: um, honestly, you know, um, I was lucky to grow up in a, in a great home and, uh, you know, a Christian home, and um, you know, you grow up and and you you try and figure out, uh, you know, what this life is all about, and and uh, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of make my faith my own, um, kind of, you know, my mid to the late teens you know when you <clears throat> kind of get a better understanding of life and, and what a relationship with christ means and, and all that and so that's kind of you know like i said i grew up with it and was taught and and whatnot um had a great goal, had a great you know my parents were awesome and, and uh super loving great family and, and kind of grew up with it but um you know as i got older i was able to um really understand it and, and make it my own and so it's something that uh, obviously is a big part of me and, and uh, how I do life and and uh, you know try and treat people you know the way uh, the way he did and and uh, so yeah that's a big uh, big part of uh, who I am
0: I suppose that it's probably helpful to, to have that uh, in your life because uh, goaltenders sometimes need prayer with some of the stress you guys go through
1: <laughs> yeah I think uh, I think he's going to let me play for a long time because I, uh, I end up praying a lot during games. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it definitely, um, it's, it's great to know and, uh, you know, have, have my faith in, in him and, uh, puts, puts things in perspective. So I think it, uh, definitely helps when you have a, a high stress job, it helps you, uh, realize that, uh, there's more to this life than, than the craziness, craziness that's going on in front of you, you and just rely on
0: him and, and, uh,
1: he's got you. When you go from a
0: church league and you go to the Red Deer Rebels coached by Brent Sutter, um, it's got to be a, a, a rude awakening, like getting some cold water splashed on you. But uh, tell us about some of those experiences in the Western Hockey League and some of the stress that you actually had to go through as you learned to be an excellent goaltender.
1: Uh, Brent Sutter was, you know, turns out, I mean, sometimes when you're in the in the middle of the process, you know, you don't think it's uh, maybe a good thing sometimes because he uh, he pushes you and and he's hard on you and, and he, um, you know, has really high expectations, but, um, the good thing is when you, um, get through it, I mean, you're, you're stronger and, and you're, uh, you're able to take on a lot of stuff. You know, I don't think I could have had the success I had in, in Toronto under the microscope and, and, and the fishbowl and, and whatnot, if, if, uh, if not for, you know, um, you know, the expectations you put on us and, and, uh, you know how he got us ready for uh for the pros and so um but yeah lots of good memories playing in in junior um in red deer uh you know a lot of fun we had some good teams we had some you know not so good teams but um you know it's that first that first time uh you know when you move away from home and and you get to hang with the guys and and uh compete at a high level together so um you know we had some uh some good
0: times (laughs) You're listening to the Shark Spotlight on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Sharks goaltender James Reimer is in the spotlight. James, when did you start to think that you were going to get drafted? When did that start to creep into your mind? Oh, I don't know. I mean,
1: maybe only like after the season, you know, because I mean, the draft is, you never know what's going to happen, right? And, And, you know, I remember being kind of somewhere, I think I was somewhere between the second and the seventh is where people had me kind of pick to go and so I I didn't even know if it would ever happen or or you know you just you never know right and so I uh probably only started to think that you know this could be a possibility when I got when I got drafted you know that uh that one day you could play in the NHL so um you know I think as as the year went on my 17 year old year you're you're you know you're playing fairly well and and, and you know there's thoughts i don't oh, maybe maybe you could get drafted maybe it could happen but uh you know until it happened that's kind of when i was like you know when i got the jersey and, and whatnot you know that's that's kind of like oh this this no, this might happen this this there's a chance you know a small chance but still a chance so so i'd say probably probably sometime around then
0: but out of all the teams that could have drafted you the Toronto Maple Leafs. John Ferguson Jr., who used to work for the Sharks organization, was GM there at the time and uh, drafted you in the fourth round. Uh, you weren't at the draft when it happened, but but still, um, you were able to to be part of a, just an amazing historic organization in hockey history. And of course, as you referred to, being in the fishbowl there. Tell us about that adjustment and dealing with that in your early years. Yeah. So
1: <clears throat> again, I was I was probably lucky, and I'll give I give. You know, whenever I talk about it, I give credit to the organization. Um, you know, I went through like every team, uh, a ton of development camps, and um, you know, every development camp they, they they talk about media and how to talk to the media and how to treat them and and educate you on 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 you know how to handle yourself, and so. That was big for me. You know, I tried to listen and learn. And then also playing, having the AHL team in the same city, you know, you're like the Marlies are separate from the Leafs. Obviously, yeah. like there's, you know, a thousand people at Marlies games and you can't get a ticket for 20 years at a Leafs game, right? So you're kind of super under the radar, you know, you're just playing and, and trying to get better and working on your game and, and whatnot, right? But the whole time you're, you're watching – how you're watching the Leafs games and watching how the media portrays them and and, and stuff like that. Right. So I kind of was able to learn for a year, year and a half of, of playing in the city and, and feeling the buzz and the atmosphere, but, but just kind of being able to watch from afar. And so um, that was big for me. So that when I did get called up, you know, you kind of almost have a cheat sheet and, and, and you kind of know, you know, what's what the expectations are and, and and what people will ask and 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 you know how they how stories were portrayed and, and stuff like that. So I mean again, there was no secret there's no secret really recipe to it, you know what I mean? It's just you try and treat people with respect and, and be honest and try and give a decent answer and, and uh, you know and go from there.
0: So Ed Belfour was your favorite player growing up.
1: He was my favorite goalie, yeah. It was kind of like when I was really young, it was Mike Richter. And then, uh, you know, again, uh, Dallas won the Cup in 99. And so I was, uh, we've been like 11, 12 years old. And so, again, I'm starting to understand the game a little more and, and kind of getting into goaltending a little more. And uh, and so that's when they won the Cup. So I, I became an Eddie Balfour fan in, in 99, and uh,
0: it was a diehard. Of course, he's from Manitoba, too. Question is, have you ever met him?
1: I, yes, I met him briefly, um, at at an event. Um, we didn't, I don't know if we talked for more than 30 seconds. Um, I think we've chatted on the phone, uh, too as well, but, uh, but yeah, we were able to meet. When you were in Toronto,
0: did you ever get a chance to spend any time with Johnny Bauer? Yeah, I was, I was lucky enough to spend some time with
1: him. We, um, we met, we would do some events together and whatnot but there was one event actually where we were at a golf tournament and together and we um we drove together there in bath and uh or for sure on the way back i'm, I'm not quite sure exactly the details a lot of years ago but but um, we were able to do an event together it was just me and him and uh that was really cool it was really cool to to see you know he is obviously he has he's a legend and and his personality is, is a legend too. And so um to be able to hang out with him and, and hear his stories and, and honestly just learn from him. Again, again how he how he handled himself and, and uh, how he took time, you know, with people and stuff, it's uh it's pretty cool to see, you know. And so um obviously he's a, a massive legend in, in hockey and especially Toronto. So it's pretty uh, pretty special to be able to do that with him.
0: You know, thinking of it from a goaltender's perspective, can you imagine Uh, what johnny had to do he played without a mask and i am sure you've seen some of the footage of him getting cracked in the face and blood spurting out and all kinds of stuff going on
1: yeah i don't know man (laughs) those guys are crazy um i mean obviously yeah the guys shoot harder now and raise a puck more, and there's all those there's all those arguments but i mean uh, i still i don't know even if a guy shoots 60 miles an hour you take it in the teeth like probably still stings and I'm, i'm willing to get i'm willing to bet so I mean, those guys that played, there were crazy um, and they're so tough. And so, um, you know, I'm just I'm just glad I get to wear a mask. So, <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's those guys were unbelievable.
0: You experienced the craziness of the scene in Toronto firsthand. And of course, one of the disappointments of your career was going to Boston in playoff competition, having a lead and then losing in game seven. I know it's a difficult memory, but can you relive that experience with us?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you get through it? I mean, I think for me, like everything in life I mean, again, my, my relationship with Christ, I mean, that's your, that's kind of like your, uh, that's your centering point or that's your, that's your foundation. Right. So, um, you know, when, when things like that happen, you know, it's, it sucks and, and it was really hard and, and it kind of like, it, it rattles you, um, a bit. Right. And so, um, again, that that foundation was was huge, right? Because you you can put things in perspective. But you know, we weren't playing very well that series. We managed to steal a game in the first two games, and then we came back to Toronto and we lost both games, which was, uh, you know, not ideal. And uh, and then we just found a way. At game five, came back to Toronto. Game six, the atmosphere was nutty. Um, mm-hmm. Found a way in game six, and then uh, game seven, we were rolling. And then um, momentum changed with with ten minutes left and. And they just started buzzing, and and uh, you know, kind of the rest is history. They tied it up. We managed to actually go to OT, and we were probably we were probably the better team actually in OT. And then um, they kind of got a bounce, and and that's
0: it. So um, crazy game of hockey. Relate all of that to coming to San Jose, and backing up Martin Jones during that run to the Stanley Cup final and about how everything seemed to go the sharks way even during the final it they really played you guys really played Pittsburgh very well yeah I mean um, again we had a confidence in the room that
1: you're walking into a building and, and, and you're gonna win you know unless the other team played out of their minds you know we were gonna win and, and so um you know that was pretty special um, but uh, yeah going in the playoffs I mean I think we we uh, you know, everything from, from the way we played, you know, to the coaching, you know, it just seemed like, like we, you know, kind of had a bead on every team, you know, and, and some of those series went to seven games. I think the second round um, against Nashville went to seven, but it was kind of, it was kind of a no doubter, you know what I mean? Like we just made confidence in our group and in our, and in our game plan. And, and um, we knew that uh, it would work out. And so we just kept rolling and uh, we came to Pittsburgh and, you're playing the next, the next best team in the NHL at that point. Right. And so um, they just managed to, to squeak it out. You know, the guys played hard and, and like, like they had been playing all, you know, all playoffs. And so it was disappointing. Um, it was disappointing not winning. Um, you know, it's, especially when you get so far and, and, you know, the guys had invested so much in, into, into it. Right. But, but even now, you know, looking back, you know, it's just so many good memories from, from that run and, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a special time and obviously a big disappointment at the end, but, but, um, you know, when you, when you go on runs like that, I mean, the camaraderie with the team and, and whatnot, that's, uh, that's special. You can't take, uh, you can't take that away. So, um, you know, always be, always be a great member.
0: Isn't it pretty interesting and, and great too, that now that you're back with the sharks, there's still a, a number of guys that were on that team that are still here and, and you know them well, and you have all those great memories
1: yeah exactly there's a couple players and 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 still all the all the staff is is pretty much the same too and so um you know it's it definitely it definitely feels very uh very familiar and so um and like i said obviously the roster has changed a bunch but but uh, there's still just uh, a definite familiarity to to the team and
0: and the room and the area so it's uh, a lot of a lot of great memories what about SAP Center and playing uh, there as a home rink? I know it's different than Toronto. Certainly, the media atmosphere is slightly different than playing for the Maple Leafs, and you played for a few teams, but what, what about those experiences for you playing here? Yeah, happy to be on the home team playing here. I mean, um, that's one thing that's
1: awesome about San Jose and, and, you know, dare I say, one of the best things is, is the atmosphere in the rink. You know, is when you're coming in as an opposing, opposing player, opposing team, you're just like, just want to get out of the first 10 minutes with not getting scored on or getting scored on twice. You know, if you can survive the first 10 minutes, you got a chance. Right. And so I think that's pretty special to have, you know, as an organization, as a team, you know, to have that, that kind of intimidation factor, right. That, uh, that you're coming into the shark tank and and it's, yeah, you're going to be in for a battle and and the fans are on top of you and, and they're all over you. So um, awesome atmosphere here. And and being able to play on the other side, it's, it's uh, it's a ton of fun. So looking forward to uh, looking forward to this year and, and, and having fans back in the building and, and, uh, and getting that uh, that atmosphere and energy back.
0: You have a reputation of being an outstanding teammate, and uh, that goes back to your days in junior hockey. I remember when you were here in San Jose, you were a great teammate uh, for Martin Jones. He was getting most of the playing time in the playoff run, but uh, you were an outstanding teammate. Now you've got Aiden Hill to work with in San Jose. Uh, but what does it mean to you to uh, to try to make that extra effort to be a good teammate? And how important is that to you?
1: I think the main thing is, I mean, you're, you're a group, you're a team, you know what I mean? I, I think you need to be able to depend on your teammates, right? And so I, if you want to win, you know, you, you have to have that that feeling in the room and, and, you know, that community. Maybe, you know, what I grew up with, right? You know, you're going to battle and... Um, you want uh, you want to go that extra mile, mile for your teammates so that you know it pours onto the ice that you're you're going to do something for them they're going to do something for you right and so I think um, to have a winning team you have to have you know that good camaraderie and, and and a great room and so you know I think that's that's the main thing and and then besides that I mean we're all we're all doing life together right and and everybody in different situations you got rookies you got veterans you got people, guys with kids you got guys married girlfriends everyone's at a different point in their life and and um you know so if you can if you can help someone out if you can encourage someone if you can uh, you know be there for someone and and uh, help them out i think that's uh that's a big part of the game. so
0: you know just trying to just trying to do your part you're listening to the shark spotlight on the san jose sharks audio network we continue our shark spotlight with goaltender james reimer It's really different when you know you're the starting goaltender and you prepare all day and you go to the morning skate and you have your meal and you get your rest or whatever it is you normally do and you have your routine, you get right in. But when you've got to come into the game, and you did that certainly in the playoffs for the Sharks in that one appearance that you had, but you had to do it a couple couple of times uh, over the course of your career. What's the difference mentally and how difficult is it to uh, to suddenly get the call from the coach middle of the game and say, "Up, oh, you got to get the gear on, you got to get out there and you're in without a warm up." Yeah, I mean, all
1: honesty, it, it's it's hard, you know, every goal will tell you it's terrible. Um, you know, you get out there, you're stiff, your legs feel like garbage, you know, you're you've been sitting there, you know, getting stiff for, you know, however long it's been an hour, right? And so those first like couple minutes, you know, and your eyes aren't used to the speed of the game, you know what I mean? Like it's it's uh you really got to try and hone it in as quick as, quick as you can and, and try and get some movement in and get the legs going. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's not ideal, but, but I mean, you find a way, right. I mean, you, you, you simplify your game, you know, a ton right at the start. And then as you, as you get warmed up and as you feel a couple pucks, then, then, uh, you know, things just start
0: to click and, and it comes naturally again with all of that in mind, maybe your most unusual goaltending tandem partner was David Ayers who came into that game uh, against the Maple Leafs of all teams in Toronto. Uh, That was something that everybody in hockey loved and you were kind of an eyewitness to all of that. What's your recollection of of that entire episode?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy night. Um, I mean, there's like, I feel like there's so many stories just from that three hour time span. Right. But, yeah obviously I started the game and <clears throat> got hurt and I come out and and you know they check me out and, and obviously I can't come back and play. um, And so you know I start to you know take all my stuff off and 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 I'm literally like I'm jumping in the shower. and it''s, it's the reason I say that is because it's like at that point when you've've you've taken off all your hockey stuff, whatever, it's like you there's a, there's this realization that you're not going back into the game. like you can't play anymore you know what I mean? It kind of sucks. And just like, that's like kind of the cutoff point. Right. And so I'm doing all that. And I'm just, it just hits me. Like, you know, what happens if, if Pete gets hurt, you know, I and mean, then whatever, you don't think about it anymore, or whatever, you know, and you, you get your suit back on and that's that. But uh, you know what I mean? And you're watching the game and you see him get just blown up by Clifford. And you're like, Oh my goodness. Like what happens now? You know, and everyone just scrambling room trainers and, the goalie coach trying to figure out like who can play who can't like what are the rules and is there uh, is there an emergency guy where is he like it's it's just a mad scramble right and so um when uh yeah and so he he comes out of like some back room and you know i just I give him a tap and, and say you know go out there have some fun you know and so and you know honestly it's kind of like the rest is history you know he uh, you know again like you know he, he, he let in a couple right off the bat i mean again like i said for me going in the game is hard let alone a guy never played before in the league right and so obviously that's going to happen but then he settled in nicely for the third and, and the boys rallied around him and so uh, made for a real special night
0: James, I really appreciate the time he gave us today. We're really excited that you're back in San Jose, and we look forward to a lot of productive time with the Sharks again. Thanks a lot for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me. The Shark Spotlight is a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.